Hey, this is Romancing the Zone, a podcast about a podcast about boys playing tabletop games. I'm Nell Bailey. I'm Brittany Bailey. And I'm Ann Kern. Let's roll. Uh, seven. That's not terrible. I mean, we should help out, though, right? Yeah, let's see if we can help. I got a nine. I also got a nine. Is that enough to help? I don't know how this works. It is enough to help. I think that would boost her up to a nine, and that is a complete success. Or it's a success. Success from a a mixed success, yeah. There we go. Now, I thought it was 10, 11, and 12 were complete successes. Well, maybe it's 7, 8, 9. We're just going to... And it is plus cool, and Anne is Mm. very cool. Yeah, I don't have any modifiers. Mine is defo plus weird, and I do have a plus five to that, so I think we're good. (sighs) Girls and friends, we've made it to the finale. Holy. I, I'm not going to lie. I saw the 2.30, two hours and 30 <laughs> minute thing, and I cried a little bit. And then I was like, this is, this is good. That means it's going to be real good. And it was. Absolutely. It did not disappoint at all. Yeah, I agree. This is, this is also the, the, like, this episode is the most right that any meme I've ever made has ever been. I would just like to point out <laughs> that 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 bit with uh, Doc talking about aliens. Oh my god! I feel like totally there was a lot did. of really. Oh. There was so much good payoff for that. That that goof. You're totally right. <laughs> There's so many moments in this episode that are just that exact picture you made of Doc saying mm-hmm. aliens. I feel so validated. You should. You did it. I'm proud of you. Uh, it, yeah, this entire episode is so good. Even the way this starts. Um, the previously like blending Ooh. and melting into the memories that being was sifted so through. spooky. Yeah. Oh, it was I'm like I'm like on a walk in the woods and it's happening you and I'm like do. looking you around and yeah, Ooh. yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Especially Griffin choosing to like kind of slow down and then and then start warping the yes. music. That was extremely mm-hmm. creepy. Good creepy. Yes. Very very good. So much very good well sound design. Done. Including good call Anne on that click of the tape. Mm-hmm. You called it at the end of our last episode. Yep. We weren't sure what that sound was, but it definitely sounded like tape being sifted through. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure what the narrative intent was. I think I'm gonna have to think about that for a little longer. Or if there was one. I mean, I think it's like, it's a cool book ending device, but I sort of wondered whether there was or wasn't more to it than that. Um, in Griffin's mind, if, if it was, you know... He wanted it connected to Saturday Night Dead. I mean, it was sounded more like a cassette tape than a VHS oh, tape, it, yeah. but um, mm-hmm. not completely dissimilar noises. So depending on what kind of machine you sampled, it could sound pretty similar. Um, yeah. So I, I wondered whether it was that or like the idea of, of finding a way to like record information and take notes for the future or something like that. Um, Ooh. I don't know. I was interested. I hadn't even thought about it that much. Yeah, I, yeah. I just wondered whether there was more to it then. Because I don't think that Griffin would just casually stick a noise in there because he kind of thought it was cool. It seems like even subconsciously, let me, maybe there was another reason for it. But I have to think about that mm-hmm. some more, I think. See if he talks about it at some point. Yeah. Yeah. You know what it made me think of, though, um, was I thought it kind of harkened back nicely to the way in balance. By the time you get to story and song, you realize... The openers to the episodes have been yeah story yeah maybe even suggesting if you wanted to take it that far that all of the previously on amnesty had been maybe memories being shifted through yeah Ooh. I don't know just something to think about uh but in these memories that we are sifting through in this beginning we get a little snippet of Aubrey and Duck's meet cute. <laughs> <laughs> I did wonder, like, that threw me for a second. I didn't know if it was, like, a made-up memory or Mm. if it was actually what happened. Because I thought that they had met Mm -hmm. 
when they met in at the very beginning of Amnesty. Oh, yeah, wait. But I don't recall if there was, like, that previous, like, they had seen each other before, but obviously we're not, like, bros at that point. Yeah, I thought there there had been a reference, I think, like, offhandedly, that they had had a run-in at some point, that Aubrey had had a run-in with, with I Doc. Think I so think too. you're right, yeah. That sounds correct. Mm-hmm. So this is probably that lost, <laughs> that lost footage. Mm-hmm. And Beacon was like, hi, no, we're going to break this up. Let's get you out of here. Beacon materializing betwixt them was so great. <laughs> and just, like... It made me so happy that he just like kind of appears in it like, and me, bitches, and like almost angelic, like (laughs) in his way. (laughs) He's also like, enough of this. Wake up, (laughs) Duck Newton. This is adorable. However, we have things to do. I I did like uh, Beacon as a way to cut through this illusion, like very literally, yes, um, and figuratively. Mm Even even if Justin momentarily forgot that Beacon was his character and therefore Griffin couldn't just say what he was going to say. <laughs> it's always so good when that happens. That's when you're like, this is a real, like somebody else should be answering yeah. me because I believe this character exists so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think being able to step outside of your own characters is um, a sign that you've fully accepted them as like whole people, like that you've developed them to that yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Well, or swords, not people. <laughs> <laughs> personalities at least and <laughs> goddamn he has a personality isn't he now do you think because he is an organic oh. that's why he wasn't pulled into a sarcophagi oh um. yeah i i think he was in the sarcophagus but i think yeah. it wasn't doing anything because because it sounded like from the way that duck broke out that maybe he was actually inside there with him and he broke out from the inside rather than beacon actually taking action he just took action like to wake him up Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. I thought too. Was like Beacon was in there with him. He was still like holding on to yeah. him, or like see, Beacon I was totally had the idea of the flying sword situation. Oh, okay. Where he like he's out there, and he's like, "We gotta get this going." And so he like <laughs> jumps up. He's like, "I gotta save Duck." I think he was he maybe only out. out there in his mind. Although I do think that you have a good point about why Beacon wasn't affected, which I think doesn't really come up until later, yes. and was a little bit. Uh, subtle, so that we should probably talk about that yeah. more towards the end, unless you want to talk about it now. Mm-hmm. Oh no, we can wait. Yeah, we can wait till then because this is where we do start to get those those seeds planted and mm-hmm. what will later happen. Just because not only is Beacon able to so easily open all these coffins, but he really likes mm-hmm. it. He oh seems my to god, really he have loves a knack it. for it. Yeah, which usually he just enjoys bloodshed the most. So <laughs> that's a saying something. Not only does he love it, but he seems to like get energized from it. Yeah. Yeah, there's a little something extra. This is the best day of Beacon's life. This is his <laughs> birthday and Christmas and Easter and Halloween, like rolled into one. He knows it. He knows this is the day. Today's coming up, Beacon. <laughs> <laughs> um, as Duck is breaking everybody out, I-, I love that he's still so committed to telling everybody really melodramatically about how they're on this alien spaceship. Oh, yeah. That he's just like at, gr- at great length. Like he has he has jumped to this conclusion from the information available and then made it even more elaborate. <laughs> and he and Aubrey are both like simultaneously extremely right and extremely wrong about what's going on. And I, I thought that that was a wonderful parallel for like fandom being being in a fandom. Yeah, you're that right. You tend to you tend to get to that point where you pick up on you know eighty percent of something and then you jump the rest of the way <laughs> and you wind up on the other side of the ocean and somewhere mm. completely different. <laughs> Yeah, I did want Duck as he was breaking them out to like hand them all t-shirts. 
that say <laughs> Duck was right. And then on the back it says, aliens, baby. And like, they now all have to wear these. That's their new uniform. That's it for the rest of the episode. I like it. Coming soon to the merch store, I imagine. Yes. <laughs> so they're all wearing their new shirts. And then they're they're found out that it's like, hey, they're awake in there. Um, maybe stay put. And of course, they're not going to do that. Uh, is this where Aubrey fritzes the door so hard it goes flying off, or is that later? It's it's here. Okay, because Vincent tries after to Vincent tries it. to open it, yeah. <laughs> after with his Vincent head. tries, yes, he tries to turn himself into a battering ram, and then I laughed at my own joke. Ah, uh, good one. Um, but it doesn't work, and he bounces back. <laughs> but you know what? He's a hardy boy. He didn't take any damage. He was just like, oh shit, that usually works. He was just a little dizzy. <laughs> Don't worry, Aubrey's got you. <laughs> it reminds me of when um, Magnus punches the door off of the elevator for absolutely no reason <laughs> aubrey does similarly trav you're always on it with these doors oh Just my gosh Girl, can you imagine if they not rolled a 15 or rolled a 12 and then gotten all their bonus points what if it had been like a three and then they all just get zapped yeah it just bounces around the room. It's that finale look, baby. <laughs> oh. Well, and then you know who does not make his next role is Thacker. <laughs> oh. Trying to tap in. Yeah, I know we joke sometimes about the about DMs in general and Griffin in particular getting joy out of player failure, but Griffin's just uh-huh. sheer delight oh at Clint's role was was extremely <laughs> blessed. He does he does love a bad role. He loves the the play he gets to make. Mm-hmm. It gives him so much freedom. But he does, you know what? They do um, end up all being the victors here because Clinton does say he loves uh, Griffin. And so, you know, <laughs> mission accomplished. And Griffin does say it back, which yes. was the, the total clincher. It turns out they do love each other. We made it. <laughs> it wasn't all just for show. Um, but so even though Thacker fails the role, he does tap into the hive mind, which, you know, makes him take damage because this is much more than anything else you know, this guy's been connected to the Quell, mm-hmm. and this is still too, too much. Yeah. This is like in Pacific Rim when Newt mm-hmm. yeah, attaches himself to the monsters. Yeah. That's just, a perfect. Does not go yeah. well. And then he also taps into there's one kind of scattered mind off on its own. Mm-hmm. And not malevolent. He doesn't get the malevolent feel from <laughs> exactly. it like he does from the hive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, but the unfortunate thing is that him tapping in does make now the entire hive mind is aware, and this one scattered mind, of them being out and on the move. Mm-hmm. The nanny mm-hmm. cam has been alerted. It has. The light is going <laughs> off. I did appreciate the fact that Griffin described to Clint what was happening, and then he took a moment to, in character, as Thacker, relay the information to the others. I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and speaking of Clint and him being a wonderful player and and often like just really kind of connecting to the zeitgeist meaningfully, when, when he says something about whether or not he can level up and that oh, he's yeah. waiting to do it, he <laughs> says that he's waiting to do something successfully, which I found extremely relatable. <laughs> you just gotta, you gotta wait until you have the right moment right. To, to succeed it's something so that it's more impressive. Yeah. It's got to have that dramatic flair. It can't just be, oh, this happened. It's like, and this happened. Yeah. Like, and everyone applauses. He's waiting for that real rock star moment. Mm-hmm. Aren't we all? So as the nanny cam gets activated, they can yeah. hear stuff start turning on into the next right. room. So the grinder gets activated in the next room. We know everything is still old, decayed, fallen into disuse, pretty gross. Griffin does a beautiful job describing it, but I sadly still cannot pay enough attention to like get that full grasp on it. 
Someone draw it out for me. Yeah, these ones are a little tough. But we see um, that person printer or the thing yes. printer that Ned had seen in um, the old abandoned place that he had kind of warped the hotel, into. Yeah. yeah. And it's on. It's on. It's printing. Do you think that these people printers or creature printers work like 3D printers? Like, do they ever, like, mess up a print oh, halfway God. through? Yeah, and, they like, do. And, like, the person is sort of half noodles, I wonder. We saw that. We saw it with the Barclay printout. It was all gross. That's oh, yeah. That, that's fair. That's a way to interpret it. I hadn't even thought of it like that when he took the, the crystal from it. That that essentially made the print go wonky. Yeah. It reminds me of that episode of Gravity Falls where Dipper keeps making the copies of himself. And the one <laughs> is just like a screechy little like because the paper got damped. <laughs> so that was the Barclay. He was that that one Dipper copy. <laughs> uh, but so this one is printing. As far as we can tell, it's printing out totally fine. And of all people, Duck would know. And recognize this person because, uh-oh, it's his sister Jane. And I'm going to take a quick sidebar and say, Brittany and my dad is named Wayne and we have an Aunt Jane. And that was cute to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Aunt Jane is being printed on this uh, this person printer. And Duck knows it. She's wearing his the Newton family holiday sweatshirt. Oh, my gosh. I want one of those now, too. For sure. I got to know what it looks like. Yeah, I would also like to know what it looks like. I have questions. <laughs> Do you think it has ducks on it? Do you think that's where the thing came oh, from? I hope his do at least. Yeah. One Christmas duck. Maybe they have them slightly slightly customized to each of them. I don't know. Regardless, this duck does not cotton to this, Ooh. as I think many of us would not. Duck is pissed. Oh, I don't think livid. we've ever seen Duck as angry as he is in this. This is moment. the angriest. Yeah. This isn't like the the only change that we've sort of seen in Duck though either because I I like that he's he's basically kind of taken over as the leader that other people are everyone else is kind of following him yeah that, like, even when they come into this room that he's sort of the one who's I mean leader is is kind of a strong term um because I I think they definitely like make decisions together but he's sort of the one on the forefront saying like you know yeah maybe we do this now or maybe this is the action that mm-hmm. we should take he's taken um, the lead. I, I like. Yeah, I liked that as character development because it seems like in the beginning he was, you know, it wasn't like he wasn't proactive when he had to be, but mm-hmm. he was way more sure. hesitant. He was kind of happy, yeah, to take the follow point. Yeah. He was fine reacting versus being the one taking action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's he was so vindicated about the alien situation. <laughs> he's really just riding that high. It's my time now. Not even, no one can prove me wrong now, he thinks. <laughs> Although it's not, it's not all going well because... He and Beacon both just like lose it and try to wail on this tank. Yeah. And then Justin rolls a three. (laughs) That's the thing. Okay. With this finale glory, we're either Uh getting the best rolls in the world where they're getting 15s or Mm -hmm. absolute bummers, like just the saddest puppies of a roll you've ever seen. Yeah. Three. Oh, my God. (laughs) And after he gives this like great, I I wrote in all caps, tear this bitch apart because that's what I thought he was going to do. And not quite. <laughs> he tried. He, he gives tried. his best. He really does. And for whatever reason, 
we know now, I mean, we all know it's a roll, but for whatever reason, Beacon, you know what? Beacon bounces off of this thing, but maybe he at least got it started because Aubrey's like, all right, let yeah. me get in here. Let me have a taste. Mm-hmm. It was like the jam jar. They're, they're like getting yeah, it loose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a team effort here. She takes she she takes a whack at it. Oh, it's starting. And then this is where Thacker is like, okay, I'm going to level up. He has found his moment <laughs> he, to use this level mm-hmm. up. Can I take a page out of the monster playbook? How much do I love that this is such a Merle thing, too, as oh I've pointed out, that, like, he keeps borrowing spells from other spell books. And now he can do it legally. Zacher's actually allowed to do this, and I just applauded him so much. I was so happy. He doesn't like to be tied down. No. And who can blame him? It totally does work with that character, too. Like, Merle kept wanting to uh, cut loose and, I don't know, be a... Be a necromancer at one point. No, you can't. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. Thacker, though. Yeah, yeah. It totally tracks. He's he's been around. He's been on Sylvain for a while. He's he's seen and experienced so much. He's been tapped into the quell. I think it makes absolute total sense. Oh, completely. That, you know, then he can now be like, um, hi, monster playbook. This is my move <laughs> now. And it even harkens to his background of being overtaken by the quell and having been a feral creature essentially Mm -hmm. and i love that they brought up that he turns kind of back into that as he Mm -hmm. taps into this unholy strength and yeah gets oh i was very into that his like feral grin Uh uh-huh and then to add (laughs) even more onto that cherry on top uh this like machete twirl he does yes 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 i'm here for it i loved every second of this it was perfect. He tears down this bitch of a bearing wall and the the printing stops. And it's just, it becomes like this crystalline gas back into, back into the air. Mm. Yeah, now there's just Weird. organic material just spraying about. It's mm. probably pretty gross. I thought it was just gas. I thought it was like the organic material they were using to build them. It is, but it doesn't like splatter. No, it's, it's it like spraying about. It dissipates like a... I think it aerosolizes, basically, so it depends on whether or not that creeps you out, I guess, whether you think it's gross, but it's not like it's going to get on you and be slimy I think I'd rather it land on me than breathe it in. You can wash that off. That's you fair. can't. You can't scrub out your lungs. Yeah, yeah, once it's in there. <laughs> you yeah. know what? That is fair. Well, regardless of what the material looks like, you know what does come out of this machine is one of those beings of light, and we mm-hmm. finally get to communicate with one of these guys. I do like that there is a literally universal hand motion for chill. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. It's like in Transformers. It's a universal greeting. We all know it. And (laughs) as this this light being is going over to the machine to communicate with them, Thacker is like, hold on. I don't want anything to do with these. We don't know a single good one. And Aubrey, of course, is like, no, no. We had Billy. And Billy was Mm -hmm. a good one. At which point, one of the monitors flickers. Yeah, we're going full ghostwriter right. now, it looks like. And kind of it starts taking over this interface. And yeah. whoever was communicating with them, this deliberative operational mind who was threatening them at that point, just sort of collapses. And now it's all Billy. And he triggers um, this other computer voice who, like, he opens he opens the history files on the computer. Yeah. And it starts repeating the history of this of this world that we learn is called Locus Prime. Mm-hmm. Um, that we hear we hear the background story of uh, more or less most of what got them to this point. Like, why are these why are these creatures a threat to them in the first place, and why have they been doing what they've been doing? Suddenly, we mm-hmm. get all the answers. Yeah. It's super depressing too. Yeah, it's very it's a very heavy 
I mean, it's it's all computer voice or almost exclusively because Griffin does some of it at the end, but it's mostly this computer voice. And I know we've talked a lot in the last few episodes about Griffin's sound editing, but this sort of microfiche machine sound in the background, I think, really added to that feeling. Yeah. Of, you know, instead of somebody telling you something, like just explaining you this backstory, which could have seemed really boring and dry, it, it actually lands harder mm-hmm. because it feels like something that you stumbled on rather than something that's being explained to you. It has that kind of realism of something like, you know, like found footage of, of just finding right. finding out yeah. about something terrible in that way somehow I think makes it harder to process, right. not easier. Well, and I think having it not be in Griffin's voice made it hit yeah. so much yeah. more severely. Because just like you said, it felt more, I don't know, almost more real. Like, Authentic? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. yes. That's yeah. it. But I mean, this was a, this is a huge, important info dump because we mm-hmm. finally, like, even even just coming into this room, if we had any questions that were unclear about whether or not the abominations were being 3D printed and seated, we've confirmed that by seeing these machines. Um, we've confirmed that, again, by seeing them try to print someone yeah. and them threatening and saying, like, you know you're aggressive and we're trying to decide whether or not you get to live, um, that Ugh. it's pretty clear that this really hyper-intelligent, successful world, like, basically decided that their only solution for survival was um, orchestrating genocide on this massive yeah, scale, right. which is, you know, really chilling that that was, that was the reasoning. And the idea that, that they'll do it in such a way that they're like, our hands are clean. Like, y'all mm-hmm. did this yourselves. Right. You decided. That this is the only way to do it. And we we had already learned a little bit of this out of the context that helped us understand it with the um, what we were at that point considering to be a shapeshifter that they com- that uh, Ned communicated with, who had implied that they had done this before, but we didn't know yes. how many times and how extensively and how deliberately mm-hmm. it had right. been done. Right, and even like Billy's little drawing on the TV suddenly yeah. makes, you're like, oh, okay, uh-huh. that image now makes sense. What Ned heard makes sense. All of these things are now falling into place. Minerva's, the battle she had with another planet, all of Mm -hmm. that suddenly makes sense. It was all on purpose. It was orchestrated. It was orchestrated. And yet at the same time, you, it is a tragic story also on the part of Locust Prime. Mm -hmm. But certainly the answer probably isn't to pit worlds against each other so that they won't come for you before they can take out each other. Right. Using violence to reduce violence doesn't seem like a positive thing especially because you know through all of this that's the other big thing they're the antagonizers they're yeah. the reason earth saw sylvain as a threat mm-hmm. they're the reason certainly that minerva's people saw her nemesis planet well as and a they're th- the only reason they're the reason that they know of these other places exactly yeah, yeah. it's a lot i do kind of think it's funny that reconciliation is basically a dating app for planets <laughs> But only the end but, result is mutual destruction. Yeah. It's a dating app for <laughs> Which despair. might be how a lot of dating app does. I don't know. It could be. I've not found success <sighs> with them, so. Well, it's it's more like it's like a matchmaker app, like, because they're doing it to you. Right, like, You yeah. don't even want to go out with this person, and they're like, no, I think there you guys should is. really hang out, but they only want you to do it so that you break up <laughs> and fight about it. Reconciliation is fight on the world, bridge. The old world matchmaker that, yeah, you two, get together. I don't want to do, do it. <laughs> I don't like this person. You'll have beautiful <laughs> children. Oh, they've done and destroyed each other well next but yeah i mean it's it's a very complicated concept of what a villain is right because there's not like yeah a single mastermind i mean I, you could certainly make that argument very much about balance as well but there's not like right. this singular 
villain that you're going to fight who's like yeah. the final boss and then you're done exactly they they're somehow voting there's like so there's multiple people in there but they all have to agree on these decisions so it's sort of like do you hold the rest of them responsible it's so few survivors sure. so by like defeating them you're going to exterminate their entire race but also they've been doing that on a really large scale mm-hmm. so it's sort of like i think it's fairly clear coming out of this that there's really only one option yeah. Because it's not just their survival that's on the line. Because clearly, there's so many others. It's going to yeah. be so many other worlds. Like they're clearly not going to stop. Exactly that. It's the worlds that are one already connected, and the ones that will then be connected after after all of these links are, yeah. have served their purpose. That's exactly it. So yeah, let's go find this hive mind. Let's get into this transpo car, which is so conveniently here. Thank you so much, Billy. And uh, that takes them to the big cylindrical light chamber that we've yeah, seen yes. with this huge dome in the middle god damn tanks, it we love this big map god damn we love a dome <laughs> and then these tunnels going between two two points going yeah. up this these shafts of lights yeah that we didn't really know what the shafts of light were supposed yeah. to indicate and now we know that they're all of these physical bridges between these worlds and this is the yeah. place between those two worlds mm-hmm. like in the middle of the bridge can i say really quick i'm very proud of us for having decided that billy's fine he just went home he did we were right we knew <laughs> i'm gonna get a new shirt that says we were right and then the back says billy's home <laughs> I love it. It'll be in the merch store. <laughs> Could it be the same you know, shirt and you just turn it inside out? Like, yes. And it says oh, that yes. I love this. That's some clever fashion. Uh, yeah, you can't keep a good boy down. We knew it. He's totally fine. And we're totally fine. Let's get into this light room and uh-oh. Okay, all the transpo pods have now suddenly locked down. They're trapped. And this is the telltale sign that this is boss fight territory. Yes. The printers have activated, which is also a very bad sign. And clearly this... Well, see, I kept I wrote it down in my notes as the Dom, which in <laughs> hindsight maybe I shouldn't have, but that is what it abbreviates to. That is the acronym, is the Dom. <laughs> but they have they have locked down their hive mind under what is clearly a shield, so it doesn't seem like a casual conversation is going to work out. Even though Duck really, really wants to have one. He does. So Earth is not granted clemency. We've got a big kind of overlay saying that and duck yeah yeah sweet duck is just like well is there someone we could talk to is there someone you know maybe we can plead our case exactly he is for sure you know in that generational range where he just wants to talk to a manager and get some things cleared up and (laughs) does not seem like that's going to happen as a bunch of the forearm beings materialize out of the white dome and start to rush them yeah they hilariously think that Duck is lying. And, oh my um, gosh. It's going to be the downfall. <laughs> Amazing. I love that uh, the Duck's inability to lie went from being a goof to almost quite, almost being like a finale plot point. Right. <laughs> it was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it didn't it's... work anyway, but. <laughs> it's true. But we all know. Very well no, done no. of Aubrey to bring that up. Like, <laughs> there's no way he could actually do that. And you know what? Duck tried to talk. He did. And uh, it didn't work. So now he's just mad. And oh, look, there goes one of their heads because he decided to decapitate him. Again, this angry, active duck. He can get it. Yeah. This is great. Man of action. And again, uh, Griffin points out about that Beacon is super effective. Yes. Is there anything better than when you land an attack and you deal your damage and the DM or the GM or whoever's in charge is like, hmm. 
hmm, what actually seems like it hits him for double. Like, they seem more hurt than normal. You're just like, oh, I am a god. And you just, like, <laughs> hack and slap. Oh, it is, like, the best feeling in gameplay and probably in life. I don't attack a lot of people in life. But if I did and got to deal double damage, I'm sure I'd feel, like, super powerful. I'm debating that. I, you I feel like the baddest bitch on the block. It seems like the, the real-life equivalent of that would be that you punch somebody and then it turns out that they have really fragile bones or something and you've just broken or maybe their nose by I accident. Just have a it's really like, strong fist that I never <laughs> this knew. This has gotten very dark. I feel like it would be bad in reality. I don't know. <laughs> I'm I not going to test it out. I'm pretty happy with not hitting people left and right, but just saying. All right. Fair. But yeah, not, not only is Duck completely ready at this point to just start lopping heads off, so is Minerva. She's been ready for a while, mm-hmm. so oh, she's she ready to go wait. in, too. As are Vincent and Mama, even though they're even not completely completely qualified to do that. <laughs> I love like, that Mama's just like, hang on, let me grab a pipe. <laughs> it's fine. She's going to do what she can. And Aubrey's like, I got you, girl. Let me help out with this real quick. Boom. Lightning powers. That's a real friend. It is, yeah. A friend who will use enchant weapon on your piece of metal is mm-hmm. a true friend. Bless. So then it basically becomes Fight Night at Disney World. I have that written too. <laughs> We Clearly love that's imprinted on our brain. Um, a, a giant forearm gorilla bursts out of the printer and it's decked out like a flaming this gorilla. Thing. Exactly. Yeah. Like its fur is fire. It has Amazing. melts for a face. I I wanna know who's in the hive mind that's like creating these. Like, do they have like you are creature creation station and you ten hive minds work on that. They're like, what is the weirdest thing we could do? You know what it is? It's a monster factory. We're done. We out. We did it. You know what I did wonder though is if are like are these creatures that have been on other planets? Ooh. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I kind of got the impression that like this is exactly what would happen if you asked a committee to design a monster. <laughs> or exactly mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Like nobody could agree yeah. exactly on well, what they thought it should be. So it's it's got four arms. What about the fur? It's on fire. It's like, great. What about its face? One mouth? Uh, make it two. <laughs> Five mouths all around. Only mouths. Yeah, yeah. This is looking really good. Justin and Griffin wish there was a slider in a character creator that would do this. <laughs> oh, my God. This That'll is be, basically the how ultimate. the angels look, too, in the Bible. Yeah. Like, how many mm. arms? Twelve. How many it's eyes? It's just a All wheel of, of eyeballs? Yeah, well, you yeah, know, yeah. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's because they've they've contacted all of these ah. worlds, they've scanned all of this information, and then they just hit the randomizer well, that's, button. Yeah, I think it might be all of these ideas together. Yeah. I love all of this. I do, too. I think we cracked this nut. <laughs> So in any case, a gorilla busts out, and Vincent very sweetly busts back. Hell yeah. He's such Go a good get boy. Him, Vincent. He is, and Thacker's going to team up with him. They're both going after McGilla Gorilla, and uh, he gets a good hack in there. Mm-hmm. And we know that there are more on the way. Also, I liked that when we have all of these machines creating these monsters, I was like, yeah, here's our confirmation for sure that all of the bomb-bombs right. were made here. Yes. Yeah, I think I think it was definitely like just in case you missed that. Yeah. We're gonna make sure that it's yes. super obvious. I kind of like the idea that it's um, 
Like, you know, when you get to the end of a video game, it's like, hey, revisit all your boss fights. It's like, boss oh, rush. I remember you. Oh, look at, remember all the fun we had with that guy? Oh, good times. <laughs> it, it is totally like that. And they did, you know, they did it similarly over in Wonderland. So, you know, you can tell mm. we're all just a bunch of video game nerds. We <laughs> love this stuff. <laughs> It's all we know how to do. Wait, you're almost at the end of the journey. Have you gone back and faced again all of the trials you had to face earlier? All right. Revisit your sins of the past. Enjoy yeah. this. You're about to leave this job. Uh, go back and fight your old managers one by one again. One more time oh my before gosh. you can leave. <laughs> Amazing. That's how you should it's have to know. leave a job. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, speaking of things that happen towards the end of video games, or you certainly hope they do right before you have to fight the boss or while you're fighting the boss, Aubrey levels up yes. and gets it, well, chooses to take a shield spell, uh, which she immediately uses to help out Thacker because he was unstable and that could have gone south really fast. And they can't have Clint's character die twice in the same arc. Do not oh, do it gosh. to me. Also, Trav, this is totally say, your wheelhouse. What a Trav move to be like, how can I protect and save everybody? Always a protection <laughs> fighter, that boy. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Duck is like, okay, more of these monsters are about to get printed. I'm sick of these mm-hmm. printers. I've had enough. Let me see how I take these out. He tries to make a quip about paper jams. <laughs> Nobody's getting it. Nobody cares right now. Duck, we love you. Please just do something about these <laughs> these machines. I love that Thacker goes to a poetry jam. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that what's going to happen? We this did get a little bit more insight on Thacker. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> but no, it's not a poetry jam. Duck does some fancy work and Indiana Jones is himself up to the pipes. Yeah, because luckily he kept a very important ability from his time as a mundane, the panic button. Very good. Definitely the move to keep. Right. I figured that was going to come in handy again. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's a cinematic narrow escape. As a barrage of, of form beings are like leaping on him. Just mm-hmm. They're little can... white. I kind of picture them as like mitten hands. Like they don't have fingers. I don't know though. Maybe they have fingers. Is this the, are you thinking of the hamburger helper glove? <laughs> no. Are you now? <laughs> I was thinking of the, no, the like, like I was trying to, if you're picturing the light being like to me, they're just kind of like, you know, a humanoid shape, but their uh-huh. arms. You know, are long and they're very wayfish, but I'm like, I don't know if they have fingers. So in my mind, they just kind of have like little. Have you? Do you guys know? Are you? I, with I that desperately one? want to draw out how I see them now. You think they look like the hamburger you helper think- glove? <laughs> no, but when you said that, I was like, oh, maybe. I said mittens. <laughs> Gloves and mittens, mittens are is the opposite of gloves. <laughs> oh no. Well, now it's settled. They all look like the hamburger helper glove. <laughs> Just imagine, like, ten of those things hobbling over and trying to jump on Duck. And then he shoots into the air. I'm going to yes and this, only it'll be yes, but wait, what if, same mindset, it's, mine can be essentially, you take the pills by your doughboy, <laughs> you make him very tall, and uh-huh. like... You just kind of stretch him out. He's dough. He's fine. And yeah. that's, you know, because he doesn't have little fingers, but he's got little mitten hands. That's kind you of You know what's what fun thinking. is you said Pillsbury Doughboy, and my brain immediately went to the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. <laughs> so we're all And where's right your mind now. at? What other brand can we bring in here uh, to uh, stand in for these Grimace? Beings? Grimace. Maybe Grimace. Grimace. Oh. Grimace is also there, he's, but has four arms. He's the boss. <laughs> yeah. He's in one of the tanks. 
I, see now I'm just thinking they're gonna have to do a, like a one-off arc at a live show that's that's everyone has oh. to be a mascot character for I some like sort it. of brand Ooh. yeah and then have them that's all the fight. next one Andrew if you're listening this is your next one shot <laughs> <laughs> mascot wolves <laughs> okay so duck is being chased by hamburger helper Pillsbury Doughboy and grimace oh wait no grimace is in the tank and stay the, uh, the stay puff marshmallow man but don't worry, he escapes all of them. What a champ. Yeah, with this, he's got to do another hero move and like do the thing where you kind of stick stick a sword in a thing and sort of slide down a wall. Yeah. Like usually it would be a piece of fabric or whatever in right. those old movies. It's a lot of times done with pirates on pirate ships. For sure. When they like destroy the mast and you're just like, yeah. God, yeah. that thing costs yeah. so much money. How dare you? <laughs> and everybody just takes a second to be like, oh man, he's cool though. Right. Isn't he? uh, they all just look on in awe for a moment. And you know what? I, my note here says this, and I'm going to say it aloud to all of you. B, I'm sorry we didn't get to meet these other abominations. It really seemed like they might have been your jam. I think so, too. I will say, there was a moment where Griffin says that you can hear growls and wails and then spells out whales, <laughs> yeah. W-A-I-L-S. And so to not be confused with my dream of just scores of whales being printed and flung at me. It would be the best thing that's ever happened. Uh. So you're you're totally right. I was I was a little sad that we didn't get to like, you know, have a, a roll roll monster jam, but Yeah. Gone before yeah. their time. But you know, probably better for our heroes. Yeah. Cause you know what? Don't be too heartbroken, because we're about to summon the best monster. <gasps> It's an Aubrey and Sylvain collab. The one we've all been waiting for. Billy's here. Yeah, I wondered when this happened. I was like, this is, I actually wrote in my notes, this is some galaxy brain shit, Travis, which it is, like, to come up with this idea of, you know, and, and his justification for doing this spell to summon Billy is that there are all of these, like, misty creation particles swirling around and and Aubrey is connected to a creation goddess and like that that those two things like you've got the raw materials to make like a, a person mm-hmm. basically and I did wonder when when he decided to do that and pitched it whether or not Griffin thought was this going to be a straight up and down fight like did he see that coming at all that they were going to you know go that far like a field into because I, I just don't know that I did I would not have thought of that certainly as a possibility of bringing um, billy in or of bringing billy in specifically yeah Mm -hmm. i mean maybe maybe that move of of trying to summon somebody or use the particles in some way might have occurred to me i i couldn't say but but billy specifically i don't think it would have occurred to me so amazing about playing these tabletop games is that you really never know how it's gonna go and yeah yeah what at one point like Griffin could have had an idea like, oh, and this will mm-hmm. happen and this will probably happen and this happens. And then, yeah, yeah, one of the players and this happens every time and he just rolls with it and it becomes a pinnacle point. And it's mm-hmm. just yeah. so good that you can't plan for it. You can't script it. You can't do any kind of preparation. And it just happens. And it's so organic. And you're like, oh, God bless. Yeah. Love these games. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I love having characters be in danger like not in a like a sadistic way but I, you know because I think, I think interesting you're revealing a lot about yourself <laughs> no just like you know i think that's where all the interesting stuff happens right when you when you kind of put oh, characters sure. in a situation where there's not an obvious solution uh-huh. um, but the advantage of doing this is that because they're doing it collaboratively that any of the players can make whatever decision and then effectively like the narrator is in danger too because griffin has to try to figure out mm-hmm. how do i adjust what's what's happening how do i 
how do I deal with these things that I couldn't possibly foresee all of these possibilities and plan for all of them. So he has to be kind of adapting to these situations as well. It's more like watching, I don't know, like sports or yeah. uh, really dangerous circus stunts or something, you know, because you don't you don't know what's going to happen and neither do the people who are doing it. Right. Because it's scripted, but so loosely scripted. You can't even like rely on like tropes and stuff. You can't expect mm-hmm. to know exactly how the story is going to play out because it's constantly changing, even for the person who essentially has the majority of the script. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, just, it's It's always like watching them tell you a story while they're also like juggling Still a bunch of plates up. and yeah. also the plates uh-huh. are on fire <laughs> right it's like that gorilla yeah <laughs> they also have just mouths everywhere what and then ryan gosling is there because he can be here. <laughs> quick sidebar i was watching a video essay today and they had a clip from the notebook on it and i was like ryan mm. gosling now you're like extra cute to me because you're billy <laughs> like whatever he was handsome already we all know right but now i'm like oh but now you're billy as you say i really didn't care about him before but now Aww. i want this information <laughs> to get to him yeah somebody get a letter to uh, ryan let him know if i run into him on the street or something randomly ryan needs to know i'll be like hang on did you know you're a goat on a podcast and he's gonna say what he's like hi security (laughs) he just shakes your hand and keeps going actually you know what he would probably just be like wait what he he gives me the impression you remember that meme that was like hey girl i feel Ah, like he would be very interested to hear about a goat on a podcast if tom bodette was willing to roll with him never never know know. i'd be excited about it (laughs) if it were me so in the midst of all this, we've got Thacker, who once again is trying to communicate with the dome. Yeah, he gets and back in there. get them to stand down. He, I love that Clint always seems to play the character, and I don't know if I'd say always. So but, far, his two major characters. Yeah, yeah. The, the character that wants peace, that wants everyone to just kind of chill out. He's a peacemaker, exactly. He is. And he, this time he does it with kind of a threat, like, you know, look how powerful and amazing we are. Yeah. You're not going to win this. We don't want to destroy you. Just stand right. down. Just stop. And w- apparently no one has ever talked to the Dome. Like, the Dome has never had yeah. an actual conversation. And yeah, it scares them. Like, this, like the asocial nerd <laughs> that it is, it doesn't know how to be, you know, in a conversation with anybody else. So it just kind of, like, pushes him away psychically. Yes. They were all going after Billy, but now they fumble. Oh, yeah. We get these excellent, like, animated visions of the gorilla, like, spiraling in the air. And it's okay because Billy is ready to pull some, like, hackers stuff on one of these consoles. And it's not immediately clear what he's doing. (laughs) And then I guess because they can do whatever they want in this podcast, (laughs) Billy conjures Sephiroth? Is that yeah, that happened, right? Like I, I was pretty tired when I listened both times, so I just want to <laughs> confirm with you guys that was definitely Sephiroth, right? Oh, yes. absolutely. Billy makes real the dream of every video game nerd <laughs> in this moment. You are one hundred percent correct. Even the track "One Winged Angel" is bumping oh, as my Sephiroth God. smashes Amazing. through this dome. Now, do you think Griffin played the music for them? <laughs> I hope so. Or did he just describe it to them and then edit it around that? He probably just described it to them because I would guess Griffin didn't even know Billy was going to be there. Presumably not. In this form. Yeah, he may have... I was yeah. going to make a goof about, like, of course, it's Griffin. He has it, like, on his playlist, <laughs> on every playlist he has. I wouldn't be surprised. Theme. Yeah. I mean, it's a good mm-hmm. theme. I liked even in the music in this episode, there was, like, a bit of the motif from it. Like, he was borrowing mm-hmm. a little bit from mm-hmm. it for the music here. It was very good. Well done. 
I mean, he's, you're sort of planting these seeds, right? Because we, because he he let them know that Billy was there. So maybe maybe he thought, uh-huh. you know, maybe they'll find a way to use these printers, or maybe something like this will happen. Maybe mm. I don't know. But this whole mm-hmm. scene goes like it goes full anime. I was very much enjoying the uh, oh yeah. The, original portions of the of the aesthetic of this uh, you know obviously Sephiroth is there but but yes. um this this whole description um this wonderful description of of these holographic stars like the and galaxies like swirling and yeah. then sort of exploding out into the rest of the room as this is happening as Sephiroth destroys the shield protecting <laughs> protecting this hive mind and you know Duck decides to uh, follow Sephiroth's lead here and He's also going to leap down with his own dope music playing. Yeah, I mean this this is like probably the only time in in the history of me as a person that I will ever write down that something is fucking dope. I love but it. This Ooh. this remix this remix of this theme. Oh my god! Like it just blew my socks off both times. It is it, it just gave me chills. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I don't know exactly how or why because I don't know enough about music to say, but I think that uh, you know. Griffin also leveled up at some point in this arc, at least once, um, in terms of what he was doing with the music. Uh, This is really Mm -hmm. powerful. It's, yeah, this is that moment. This is the big Hollywood moment. Yeah. And that music makes it. It does. And the, the like the visual of of Duck stabbing the sword in, yeah. and Beacon just laughing while the the sort of query uh, floating above it oh my starts God. glitching worse and worse. Beacon I mean, is it's, loving this. Yeah, best day. And it needed to be like that, right? This moment because this is really kind of ethically conflicted. Yeah, um, to some extent, like it needs to feel triumphant. But it also needs to feel disturbing. It I is. Think, it's fucked which up. Which is a hard balance to. It's yeah, a hard balance to walk. I totally agree. And this is the moment where they also Minerva figures out, and Duck then also figures out. So I guess the the reason they had this super homicidal sword kind of sounds like uh, the reason that Beacon was so effective against their technology is Beacon was their technology. That was where I thought they were going with it. That was where I wasn't entirely sure what it was if it was a matter of this is where he came from or if this was just always according to whatever greater power this was always what was destined to be i don't know that's where i went with it It was just it's Mm. beacon's destiny like it's it's the ultimate balance of universes like you have to have some kind of a balance if you've got this thing that's deciding the fate of however many planets and has destroyed them like it has to have something else that can destroy it and it just hmm. something mm-hmm. powerful enough to it take just it happens down. To be Beacon. It's a good question to ask Griffin for their <laughs> TV Adventure Zone Zone. That's true. That is a good one. Yeah, I mean, I'm still thinking about it. I think I was conflicted both times when I listened, and I'm still conflicted now about whether mm-hmm. or not it was supposed to mean that that Beacon had originally come from there, or like kind of both. I mean, because yeah. it could be both simultaneously, right? That like they had true. created the thing that ultimately undid something. them, and there's a certain symmetry yeah. to that. I like that. Like a Greek. Story, mm-hmm. yeah. I like it. Also, dear listeners, feel free to get at us with what you think because, yeah, now mm-hmm. I'm curious if there's other possibilities that we're not even thinking of. Regardless, Beacon, congrats on your best day. <laughs> Please don't take over and like destroy worlds now just because you try. Ooh, yeah. Right? That's my concern. They do just kind of leave him the there. Now he's they in charge. Just leave Thankfully, him there. he doesn't have fingers to like control anything but mm, but did they need fingers uh, not if they have mitten Again. hands <laughs> i think they have mitten hands and they just live in this they just live in this dome here's the good news though 
we do have Billy here, and I'm so glad we get to finally properly <laughs> communicate with him. <laughs> talking through Microsoft Sam is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I love so much about this, and I think a really big part of it is the fact that, like, just the choices that Griffin made mm-hmm. here, his use of dialogue even, like, his, the fact that he, he speaks like mm-hmm. they do is indicative to the fact that, like, his first time outside of a hive mind, these were the voices he yeah. was hearing. Oh, right. So he's going to be emulating their patterns of speech. He imprinted on them real hard. Yeah, Duck especially. Yeah, I love that. I think that's so clever oh my with gosh. all the y'all. It was so cute. And the cools. <laughs> And if oh, if you were so if you were a Southern '90s kid, there's a hundred percent chance that you had your computer voice say "y'all" at some point, <laughs> just to see if it could. And it turns out it can. I think Griffin had an absolute blast writing out Billy's dialogue. Yeah, yeah. Duck has a real dad move where he's like, you know, it's good that you did this, but you've really you've got a lot to yeah. you know make mm-hmm. up for, Billy, my boy. Yeah, I like that this didn't just get swept aside Mm -hmm. that it is a moment of like hey this is real messed up what gives yeah redemption can't be like one fell swoop it has to Mm -hmm. be a process yeah and even in this case of billy i feel like he addresses it and he apologizes for it and the way he even says you know when you're in this hive mind it isn't always the easiest to have your own thoughts Mm -hmm. which again then harkens back to the fact that now he he speaks in a pattern similar to them but i think it's also a really good metaphor for like toxic echo chambers yes yeah people that you surround yourself with absolutely and if sometimes if people can get out of those situations they can turn out to actually be you know really great Mm -hmm. and would have not thought of those things on their own right and that's our billy he's a good boy he is a good boy he's a good boy that likes a good playstation yes he's got his priorities (laughs) in order let me grab your gate real quick so you can go home but also before you leave let me grab the playstation and it makes sense i mean he's all alone now on his planet he's He's, gonna need something to do well i guess it's him and beacon (laughs) they're gonna have so much fun Beacon really loves the Sephiroth scene. He just wants to keep watching that over and over again. He's like, look at that sword. <laughs> yeah. It's a ridiculously long sword. Look at that one the blonde one is carrying. That's a ridiculous sword. <laughs> I love this. That's my new show. It's just going to be me being Beacon, watching other people play video games. <laughs> Commenting on swords. And that is the only thing you comment on. TM, TM, TM. That's oh. it. That's the new show. You know, I had initially been concerned when we were learning about these worlds linked to each other and if we were going to shut down all these tunnels and pathways. I was like, what if people get stuck on the wrong side of their gate? Yeah. But upon re-listening, I was like, okay, Billy's actively right now going to start making right those those gates that had been opened. Yeah. So I think he's going to... See to it that that gets solved before people get trapped on one side or the other, mm-hmm. <laughs> if they shouldn't be there. Yeah, although it does mean that for all intents and purposes, for now, everybody who's who's there who's planning on not staying there has yes. to pick where they're going. Yes, until we can open this pathway back up, which hopefully we can do, Yeah, essentially is what they're getting told. But mm-hmm. there are no guarantees. There's no guarantee. You gotta choose. And you know what? I think all the choices they make are the choices I would have figured they would make. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was a, certainly, we start with Thacker, and I was intrigued yeah. that Griffin was surprised, because I, I think that was absolutely what I expected for Thacker to do, that he would go to Sylvain 
And then right. he would want to catalog and he would want yeah, to help. keep going. Keep doing what he was doing yeah. before. Because mm-hmm. he's like the quintessential sort of frontiersman, right? In the in the, yeah. the best capacity that that can be. And where are you going to go when there's no more frontier? You, I mean, a new world, that's right. definitely where you go, They're right? Literally yeah. discovering new worlds. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, you think about the first time he went over there was because he was trying to solve what was happening. Yeah. And now he gets to go over there and the threat's not even there. Now he gets to just explore. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they, I mean, you know, things are solved on Sylvain, but there's definitely a lot of rebuilding work to do because everyone on this entire planet had been living in one city, basically. In one city, yeah. And, and everything else had fallen into disrepair and been abandoned. And that's a lot to, to try to sort out Mm -hmm. and fix yeah and he being one of the only people who has ventured outside of the city while that was the only bastion of safety for everyone means that now he's going to be a big resource for people who do want to go out and rediscover what's there and you know if nothing else he's living near this library where he had settled earlier so he's got tons of information and i'm sure maps and Mm -hmm. And, I don't know, snacks. <laughs> and he has a distinct advantage of having his psychic link. Yeah. Is that what he's using to talk back to a mama on Earth? That's yeah. how I interpreted it. That makes more sense. I was a little bit confused. I was like, oh, maybe they're figuring out the gate just enough. But that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think it was it was his, um, it was his psychic abilities. They did not make that very explicit, but I'm pretty sure that that was yeah. what they were going for. I think I wondered because Mama reached out to him first, mm-hmm. but... Well, that's what y'all didn't know, was that Mama <laughs> is actually a primo psychic. Oh. <laughs> this you know, whole she's time. she's so humble. She never brought it up. No. She didn't want to make anybody else feel bad. It just isn't her way. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's like a like a psychic redial, you know? Like, <laughs> oh. Once I you like open that. that door, it's always kind <laughs> of <laughs> If somebody's open. reached out to you, they can star 690 back. Like, there you go. Yeah. I think that that's it. I think we solved it. Solving all sorts of conundrums. You know, that's what we do. It's the finale. We got to do it. So mom and Zach are having a lovely chat and, you know, just kind of ribbing each other. And he's like, I got to figure out a way to get back over there to make my gorp. And she's like, oh, dear God. (laughs) God, always on that fucking gorp. And then you can hear someone enter into his bivouac, which I'm assuming is just like shaking a bunch of trees at this point. (laughs) Because as we discussed before, a bivouac is made out of... The things around it and not like an actual building. I couldn't even remember the difference, but thank you for reminding all of us. No problem. <laughs> I winked there. Uh, but so we have a young looking woman come in and I didn't see it coming at all. I knew it was going to be someone or something important. Yeah. Did you guys see was... it coming? Um, Maybe a little no. bit before it happened, but not initially when she mm-hmm. first comes in. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, it's going to be something important. But no, it wasn't until she said his name and the distortion was there. Right. And then I was just like, oh, well, that was handled beautifully. Oh, this my whole... goodness. I love this. I was crying. Like, I think I literally teared up. Yeah, that was the first thing that, that got me. It was so well handled yeah totally agree this entire scene is really really nice also b you totally called it right you we're talking about girlfriend wanting to see the quell <laughs> how she might be personified mm-hmm. griffin did it for me thank you griffin yeah and i mean this is another scene I'm, I'm i will not stop giving him credit because this is the finale for amnesty the music in the background oh is, my god it's exactly it's like almost a remix of country roads not it quite almost, it's but it's almost uh, country roads it's just close enough to tap that part of your brain yes mm-hmm. and to tap that part of your heart yeah <laughs> it was so pretty it's like the slow somber 
a deconstructed yeah. sort of form of it. Mm-hmm. It was the right choice for that scene. I think even yeah. if people were not consciously aware yeah. of why. It fit the scene oh, perfectly. So good. I've got chills all over again. This is how you do a finale. And let's let's keep it going. Let's see. What? Aubrey. Aubrey, what did you choose? Well, first, let's talk to Danny. Let's scare the <laughs> shit out of Danny first and see what she wants to do. Griffith's mic work is so good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> but of course... I, I figured they would stay on Sylvain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had that inkling, but it really could have gone either way with those girls. Yes. Yeah. I wouldn't have been like, oh, weird, if they had stayed on Earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we won't get the, because of this outcome, we don't really have the answer to the question about what would happen if um, if Aubrey was separated from Sylvain, like physically from the planet. Ooh, uh, what would call. happen with her powers and her connection. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. I did think about that, and I wondered, yeah, what would have happened yeah. had they chosen Earth? But, I mean, I think, you know, both Aubrey and Thacker made the choice to go where they were the most... Use is not quite the right word, but, mm-hmm. you know, where they could be the most effective. Because, like, the battle yeah. is over, but they're not like, peace out, I'm going to Tijuana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Not yet. They want to keep helping. Right. Especially, we talked about everything that Thacker can bring to the table, mm-hmm. and then Aubrey herself is part of Sylvain. Yeah. Well, in making that choice, it's also that Sylvain doesn't have to be parted from her. Mm-hmm. That's true, too. Yeah. Yeah. They can help each other. Mm-hmm. And now Aubrey gets to make flowers bloom as yeah. she <laughs> walks through, as she and her friends, Janelle and Alexandra and Danny, are all traveling together, which sounds so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that Travis talking about that this is something he's always wanted <laughs> ever since he was little, was to just make flowers bloom. It reminded me that there's a scene in Fern Gully yes. when, like, Krista oh, yeah. like, uh-huh. puts her hand on the tree stump under yeah. with a little seed under it, and the flower grows. And I remember being like little and thinking that was just the coolest thing. Right? I was like, I want to be able to do that. So See, I feel you, Trav. I hearken to the you. scene where she gets the powers, essentially the goddess powers, and floats oh. down, and all the flowers follow yes. her. That's what I saw. I forgot about God. the that one, hand on the stump situation. The hand on the stump was just when I was little. That's mm-hmm. what I wanted to be yeah. able to do. But Fair yes, enough. this scene, what Aubrey is doing, very much like all the flowers blooming around her. Mm-hmm. You're right. And the hills are alive. And the hills are alive. <laughs> She's definitely singing a lot of that. Danny's going to have to put a ban on it pretty soon. Like, okay, new song. <laughs> Danny's like, listen, I know this. Alexandra and Janelle, you're just tormenting them. They don't know what the sound of music is. I like that that Aubrey has decided on some level to make kind of a responsible decision and try to be, you know, a good partner and a good relationship to Danny and with Sylvain, too. Yeah. Like, taking on this responsibility, but that she's still, I mean, she's still young and she's still Aubrey and she's still going to make a pudding tree if she wants to. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> She's keeping it real over in Sylvain, that is for sure. <laughs> now, can I say, yeah. there is a plant, there is a fruit that looks there like is. pudding. What? Yeah. This the is a real there is a yep. I love that both of you know It's real. <laughs> I'm going to have to look it It doesn't up. actually taste like pudding. But it looks. But it looks just like That's it. So yeah. Funny. And it has like a similar texture to it. What? I'm looking it up. Not right now. Don't worry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. We're going to Google this really quick. Right. I usually would. Well, for... For anybody who wants to, like, there is a really good demonstration of eating it and everything from Emmy from Fruity Fruits on YouTube. So she does a wonderful kind of like, this is what it looks like when it's ready to eat. And this is, you know, the interior of it. And blah, 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 blah. You know, that's what this podcast is here for. We're always bringing you facts about things like pudding trays. 
<laughs> There's even now a little carrot tree. You're welcome, Dr. Harris Bonkers. I would like to file a complaint about the the disrespect that they have given butterscotch in the I course like of talking about this pudding, pudding tree. <laughs> I do not really like chocolate. I mean, I'll eat chocolate pudding, but if you give me the choice between the two, I will pick the butterscotch. I like the butterscotch, too. I'm with you. But I love that there was such a, such a reaction to it. More of that great mic work. You got to get a friend who likes the butterscotch there and a friend who likes right. the chocolate yeah, and then you don't have exactly. Teamwork makes the dream work and no waste. <laughs> exactly. I did also appreciate um, Janelle looking out for Thacker and being like, you know, Aubrey, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's trying to make note of this shit and you're just going around willy-nilly <laughs> making up new flora and fauna. I think Thacker loves it. I think he would too. But if you're a Thacker and you're like, okay. I finally got this field all mapped out. And then you go back there the next week and you're like, well, now there's a stream in the middle of it. <laughs> Aubrey, that's Jill. I'm okay, sure Jill is like, just slow your roll or maybe at least write it down and tell Thacker about it later. She's uh-huh. absolutely going to do it to mess with him, though, if she knows it gets him out of sorts. <laughs> there's suddenly a, like a portrait of her on the face of a rock. He's like, God, <laughs> there she goes again. Um, but then we get real for a moment and they talk about what to yeah. rename Sylvain. Mm-hmm. Specifically, the city of Sylvain. Yes, it does and seem I like. like that. Yeah, it does seem like it would be mm-hmm. quite confusing unless you specifically called it the city of Sylvain. Well, I right. guess it's it's kind of like New York, New York. Exactly. Right? That's yeah. exactly where I was gonna go because our city. brother lives in New York State, and you always have to say, "Oh, he lives in New York State." You must always <laughs> add that because otherwise, everyone's like, "Oh my God, New York City!" You're like, "No, no there's no. there's a lot more." <laughs> to it than that but this will just cut that confusion right in half that's right and it's very beautifully handled yeah well initially it's not because she would name it like butt city butt city yeah which, that's the I first mean, which, applause listen of all people who would love the name butt city for a city I think it's exactly <laughs> our hero who we do name it after <laughs> Ned Chicane would love butt city uh, but yeah the idea of the city of Chicane totally got me I, too, was a little yeah. choked up along with Danny in that moment. Mm-hmm. Speaking of things that made people cry, uh, Travis made me cry again, just taking notes about this sort of, I mean, speech is maybe a little strong, but this sort of speech that Aubrey gives. Yeah. Um, about, I also called it a speech. Yeah, but this, this, these concepts, um, which I think I won't try to repeat because I think he, he put it really eloquently yeah. uh, and very plainly as well, um, about creation and, and not being afraid that the next thing you do is the wrong thing and having that stop you. Absolutely. And I, I think it was, it was an incredibly, uh, incredibly apt way of putting a lot of feelings about art. I think that, that would resonate with anybody who's a creator of any kind. Yeah. And that I think probably came from a fairly personal place of them being kind of intimidated about what they were going to do after balance and whether or not they were going to make the right choice and what the right choice was. Absolutely. Um, it was it was very powerful, and I, I think I had this moment where I was like, you know, I, I don't know if I give Travis credit for a lot of things. I don't know if I always give him credit for being as insightful and smart as he is. But mm-hmm. this was That's one of those fair. moments that made it really obvious. Yeah. I noticed throughout the whole arc, he's very good at giving these kind of introspective, heartfelt speeches through Aubrey. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. I wonder if it's because, like, he resonates with her on a more personal level. Like, yeah. I almost think... Magnus is who he wanted to be. Yeah. And yeah. Aubrey's who he is. Yeah. I mean, I think that's always like your first character in a game is sort of your fantasy of who you think you mm-hmm. want to be. And your second one is closer to who yeah. you really yeah. are. 
Or who you need to be, maybe. Yeah, you're a little less afraid to kind of be vulnerable and be a little bit more yeah. real. Yeah, because it's not always like the best parts of yourself. Sometimes uh-huh. it's the ones that you need to address oh, that you sure. don't like. But I think it becomes more, um, you get more honest, even though mm-hmm. you know, you're know you playing. Like It's hard to talk about honesty when you're talking about playing a fictional character. But I think there was a lot of, uh, there were, you know, I love Magnus. Of course. Um, but there was so much honesty, I think, that came out of Aubrey in such a short mm-hmm. amount of time, really. Right, yeah. right. He was almost more in tuned with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it gave us really beautiful moments like this one. It continues yeah. to be a perfect finale. I'm now just giggling about the idea of her busting out the cheese bush and <laughs> Zach in the background going, ah, like bringing his notebook back out. He's just walking around this area later, just, what is that cheese? <laughs> Aubrey. <laughs> You can always tell where she's been. (laughs) (laughs) And then we do go back over to Earth with our boy duck. Someone else is making trees appear again. Ah, Krista. (laughs) (laughs) We've all got a little Krista in us here and there. Uh, I think everyone kind of knew he would choose Kepler. He would choose Earth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did not see him hightailing it to Brazil right Me after. either. But then once you think about it, like, oh, absolutely. He gets back. He finally has a moment to relax. Yeah. We're like, oh, universe is saved. We're all good. Oh, my God. The Amazon's on fire. Holy sh... Okay. And right. And joins a reforestation effort. Yeah. And, you know, my takeaway from this decision of his... You know, this idea that he's kind of wayward now that he was destined for greatness and destiny has been fulfilled. But then even his choice to go help the forest, to do what he can and keep moving forward and keep trying to help, to me, that says that, you know, chosen or not, the heroism was always there and still is. Mm -hmm. That's just Mm -hmm. duck. Uh, But do not worry. He will remain humble, getting his chops busted by his dear (laughs) friend Juno, who now outranks him. Oh, good for her. <laughs> good job, Juno. I do love uh, Duck playing into her demerits. He's going, he's he's bad boy. He's playing back into this character. I love it. Love to see bad boy Duck. I want it thick. I want it to knock someone out if I throw it at him. One-sided. That's our boy. You can't change him. And Minerva, sweet, sweet Minerva, coming in and be like, oh, no, no, it's my peanut him. butter. <laughs> So a friend of mine had an interesting observation about this yeah. scene that um, she thought that Griffin had deliberately kind of set up Juno as a possible love interest for Duck and that Justin zagged on that and chose Minerva. Huh. And I'm conflicted about whether or not I think that's what happened. I'm, I'm intrigued by that perspective. I don't know if it was that or just, you know, yeah. kind of presenting... Uh, someone to be a foil, someone to be a companion, um, and not necessarily mm-hmm. in a romantic sense, uh, that he may have never thought that it needed to go in that direction or that it would. I, I liked Justin kind of dropping this as a bombshell, basically. Yeah. And uh-huh. the, the, that pause that Griffin had before he says, did you just call her honey? <laughs> it was cute. And then Justin, like, almost backpedaling in a way, like, like trying to say, like, I, I need to justify this, which I think he I think he didn't need to justify it. I think it agreed. I mean, I, I thought it was very moving what what he did say. But awesome. um, mm-hmm. I think it makes total sense that you would fall for the person who believed that you were worthy before you did. I think that that totally follows. Yeah. And I think the thing that really sold it to me, again, he didn't have to justify Mm -hmm. it, but I was a little like, okay. And I think the part that really sold it to me was him saying, you know, the fight was over. They decided to go their separate ways and found they just couldn't. Mm -hmm. That was the moment I was like, oh, that feels real. That sounds real. 
Justin Fox. Uh, um, <laughs> the part that resonated most with me was that's the whole reason you go out with someone is to share the blame. <laughs> because that's literally the only reason I feel I would ever want to get married is to be like, somebody else is blame it on them. Part of yeah. It. yeah. Like, we okay. made this terrible decision to buy a house. We <laughs> did this both, together. You know, that's fair. <laughs> we know what Brittany is looking for. Okay. <laughs> Someone to share the blame. That's Can very you romantic. Cook? Will you help me share blame? We're good. Love it. Um, but what isn't as romantic is uh, Duck is avoiding his life in Kepler, his friends, a little bit. <laughs> and we get then another kind of really good speech from Justin as Duck here, too. Yeah, McElroy's really coming for us this oh, episode. They absolutely did. They're they diving own, in. They deep. own stock and Kleenex, I guess. <laughs> 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 Only for crying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I didn't honestly. I did not even take notes on this on this part. I couldn't. It was. It was. Um. I think it was. It was extremely powerful, and I think that it would be reductive to say too much about what he said. That I, I don't know that you could say anything that was more than what he said. I'd agree mm-hmm. with that. Uh, here's the takeaway from what they did say that I think is very important: is that great strength demands great <laughs> diligence, and I appreciated that moment a bunch. That was very good. <laughs> Wondered for a second if they were trying to avoid copyright. <laughs> <laughs> Just Minerva. Oh, I love her. <laughs> well, and I think that that's what works so well in this moment, too, is that we do have this really beautiful delivery from Duck, yeah. like you said, Anne. And, you know, this this overarching idea being that responsibility isn't just something found in the moment it's every moment Mm -hmm. yeah which is a really profound thing to say especially from a character like doug who is sort of our superhero Mm -hmm. archetype and then even in a moment like this that could be played very heavy we tip those skills back a little bit as minerva figures out (laughs) jokes yeah i mean i i think that they all of them play very well off of comedy uh to keep things to keep the messages that they want to communicate that are meaningful to them from becoming like an after school special. You know, it never it never feels yes. like preaching. It feels like it's supposed to be there. No. It feels like it's earned by the story and that it's something that um that was come by honestly, that the characters arrived at this, these conclusions and that they were not just important as an idea, but important to the conclusion of these characters' arcs. That that was where the character needed to get to. Um, and having that be, you know, more uh, something that can be appreciated by by the audience in general and have it connect with them in their lives is is wonderful. But if it's not like a bonus, if it's the goal, then it seems disingenuous. And it never does with them. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And even this ability to take a moment that is, you know, kind of serious and heavy. Mm-hmm. Not too heavy. It's all good stuff to hear. But then make light of the atmosphere around it I think is really powerful and you know it's something that I feel like they all do very well Mm -hmm. but especially in an instance like this we see it I feel like Justin's particularly very good at it Mm -hmm. and it gives us a great outro (laughs) it does even them just fading out talking about (laughs) I'm coming for you Jay Leno throne of jokes Minerva, jokes. her goofs combat (laughs) so amazing that's how you do it that's how you close out on truly a beautiful (laughs) moment between these two characters (laughs) and you know honestly it's just the right sort of lighthearted atmosphere to take us into this gorgeous little epilogue here at the end of the adventure zone amnesty and the question that's been on my mind has finally been answered here it comes 
where's Barclay? We I was him. so scared <laughs> that we were going to end this thing without resolving what happened to my best boy. <laughs> Thank God we found him. And without finding out the resolution to what is to become of this OTP. Exactly. So we've got Barclay <laughs> sitting in the hot springs, five feet apart because they're not gay, except for if they totally are. They're holding hands and drinking mimosas. Barclay and Stern are having the time of their lives. There's nothing to worry about. Just soaking Ugh. up the hot springs. Just enjoying their lives. Well, he certainly stayed after he had a reason to. Uh-huh. I love it. Uh, Girls. Side note, does anybody remember Stern's first name? It has gone from my brain. Oh, I want to no. say Alan. Uh, no. But I didn't think that was right. A. I think it's Agent. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, 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 no. it was Hang like, on. uh, Roger. I can't remember. <laughs> I did not want to go diving for it, but I thought if you guys it. remembered it. Gone. It's gone. Joseph. 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 <laughs> right. Because, yeah, they went with Joe and Joey. and yeah. Anyway, his name is Stern. Is their ship name Burn? Yes. 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 It's a slow burn. Get it? Wink, 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 oh wink, 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 wink. <laughs> you know, girls, oh. I can picture this entire end montage so clearly. Mm. The music's going. Amnesty Lodge is open again. Barclay and his... Lover. His... <laughs> Barclay and his lover, Joseph Stern. <laughs> and this little goodbye tour of sorts through the town of Kepler. I do love the drive about town where everyone, all our major players are out (laughs) waving, having a blast, playing with like hoop and stick, I assume. (laughs) Good day, Mr. Barclay. (laughs) But the important part is that we're not leaving anybody out of the finale. We're going to let everybody, all of our friends are here and some people who we sort of tolerate. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's a little hokey, but I love it. Everything about this finale feels mm -hmm. perfect to me. It is the cliche you yeah. love. Yeah. And we get Big Brother Barclay going and picking up little Jake Cool Ice, <laughs> who's hanging out boy. with his friends again. Oh, he's a hornet again. Oh, <laughs> he actually, he has the fuzzy vest. He's back he has to the work vest. his way yeah. up again. <laughs> They're like, you got to start from the bottom, babe. <laughs> he's like, okay. Really, because he looks so cute in it. Like, it's true. Ooh. Keith is pinching his cheek. Oh, come on. <laughs> Wow, you guys. Oh, you guys. They're like, oh, your brother's here. Oh, hops in the truck. Get on down. Get your fuzzy little butt in this truck. We got to go to everybody's favorite place, the Cryptonomica. Now I'm crying again. <laughs> right? But you know what? I bet there are some people even at the Cryptonomica who are crying too because we figured out the gateway. You knew it would happen. Yeah. But. Well, it couldn't be that easy, right? You know, you got you to gotta let it of be course. a little hard. Take yeah, and even then, luckily, Duck and Minerva are here. They just got back from Brazil. <laughs> from the airport to the Kryptonomica. <laughs> no stops. No stops at home. They haven't even bathed the stink <laughs> of a plane off of them. And you know what? It doesn't matter because if you're going to stink anywhere, you might as well stink at the Kryptonomica. <laughs> That's true. That's also their shirt. <laughs> That's definitely a shirt at the Kryptonomica. <laughs> And all of our Sylvanian friends are coming back. I like that Dewey and uh, Moira are like, LOL, we're ghosts. Hi. <laughs> oh, my God. Phasing through Best walls. Best ghosties. <laughs> Pulling ghost tricks. Totally doing ghost tricks. Here's a quick question. Mm-hmm. So did Indrid pass on the seeing ability? 
Is it in I the glasses? Don't I mean, know. I have that question. I guess too. maybe maybe it's not like a one to one kind of thing, but it sounds like he must be filling the same kind of role, and I think that's probably because uh, Leo already had powers to have visions. So That's he was true. already most of the way there. So I, I think it's open to interpretation whether there was more to it than that mm-hmm. or whether it's just taking on the the mantle metaphorically as opposed to the powers literally. Got it. Okay. Okay. I did love he had to have the red glasses. Yeah. You got to keep up the brand. I mean, it's a look. it comes with the power. Um, did you girls want to say more before I go into a Ned talk? I think we're... We're sliding towards Ned. Go ahead. As the sun slides down below the horizon. <laughs> so slightly toward Ned. Okay. So anyone who has listened to this show before, and if this is your first episode, oh my God, hi. Oh my gosh. I hope you've had fun. <laughs> this is um, your first episode. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but if you've listened to the show before, you know how I feel about Ned Chicane. And I'm so happy we got one more moment with yeah. him. You know, mm-hmm. one last send off that is also really hopeful and optimistic for what's to come. You know, let's have an adventure is so perfect. Like, that's Ned. And I'm so happy about it. Yeah, I mean, I think it was probably a challenge to give him an ending because it didn't really fit in the story earlier exactly. I mean, they they did what they could, but I think it would have been wrong for a lot of reasons to stop the momentum completely to let yeah, to let them linger. have that closure it wouldn't have been a it wouldn't have been the right narrative decision but to bring it back and have it be the thing that closes the circle feels like the uh, right choice absolutely i wasn't mm-hmm. expecting it but i like as soon as he says that they're they're queuing up saturday night dead i was like ah oh, you got me mm-hmm. damn those macaroys <laughs> oh my gosh they're very good how dare you make me feel feelings? Well, because not only do we have our lovely last episode of Saturday Night Dead, we also have a beautiful statue for the Cryptonomica. Yeah, I mean, it seems like for the Cryptonomica, it might have been more appropriate if it wasn't like realistic and beautifully made. I don't know if you guys have ever seen uh, the kinds of cryptid evidence that, that people tend to have in museums like that. Oh my but gosh. it's usually like, yeah. you know... <laughs> A rabbit staple to a beaver. It's not, you know, it's it's yeah. not it's not beautifully executed. So on some level, maybe it would have been truer to Ned's spirit if it had been a little bit off, just a little bit. But but they do know this wonderful artist. Maybe. I think it's very true to Ned's spirit that it is this gorgeous piece of art that's going to draw people mm-hmm. in, and then yeah. they're going to go into the Cryptonomica and see there you the go. rabbit with the horn stapled to it. That, like. That is Ned, 100%. Like, look at this gorgeous thing. Now come inside. (laughs) Give me your money. (laughs) Mama knew. She was like, I'm going to do this fella justice. (laughs) And I think she did. Yeah. And staying with Mama, I just want to point out, I went back and listened, and the first episode opened on Mama in the lodge, ominously alone, late Mm -hmm. at night watching as the gate opened and now we bookend it with her leaving the lodge at sundown to go meet all of her Mm -hmm. friends oh right yeah so good at a new gate no less we have taken the the ominous and the unknown and made friends with it and that's so beautiful (laughs) put it on a t-shirt sell it at the cryptonomica that'll do it for the adventure zone amnesty oh i know is there anything we missed while taking our notes that we would like to uh, bring My up now? My God, I hope not. <laughs> I know. Scour back through your book of notes and the see. The only thing we didn't talk about that I had written down 
was that I appreciate that they specifically gave a call out to Eugene's vindication more than once. Yeah, which we our official position as a podcast is that we support that. I believe so. Absolutely. What's so funny as I was scrolling up, that's what my eyes fell on was Thacker owes Eugene twenty dollars. <laughs> then that was it. That was the note to bring up. Eugene was right. Now Eugene is selling shirts that says Eugene was right. <laughs> That's always the shirt. Yeah, I love it. I love this new brand that we have going on. (laughs) Well, I'm also, do we have any other questions? Because our poll last time was, what burning questions do we hope get answered in the Amnesty finale or in the the Adventure Zone zone? And uh, all of these got some some votes in them. We had, where's Barclay? (laughs) Answered. Why were monsters (laughs) exiled? Not answered. And that one had the most votes. Hmm. What are Vincent's sins and vices? (laughs) We don't know still. I can't believe that one didn't win. (laughs) I got a surprise. It did have the second most though. So it was still up there. And where's Duck's cat? I I don't think he ever had a cat. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to (laughs) say... Did we make up? The I don't cat? think we no, did. The no, the cat was canon. Why did we have a poll? I wouldn't. Why did we have? I the wouldn't pole? put it past us to just like conjure it up from I nothing. I think I'm pretty sure there was one mention oh. of the cat in like the third episode, and it never came up again. I think. I think when uh, I believe oh. it was when Justin was describing Duck's apartment. Yeah, the apartment, mm-hmm. like his yeah. neighbors. And I, I think it yeah. would maybe Leo took the cat at some point. Um, would make sense, especially That's, if he was yeah. in Brazil I for a while. I hope someone took the uh, cat. Or, that was my first thought when they went to Brazil. I was like, who's watching Or the cat, the cat? went to Sylvain. Uh, it's a wait, yes. wait, it's all a causality I, loop. It's a and Heathcliff is actually Duck's oh. cat. <gasps> oh, my, <laughs> oh my God. Somehow. The math does not and... work there. But <laughs> it's okay. Time is not linear. It is a circle. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> also, maybe Duck's cat Fig is going to be the next great feline mysterious cat in a pr- in a future story i don't know Wait, did fig win no i just named uh, it that okay. right now it's like because that's real cute too <laughs> thank you so now we have to write in if they do the the adventure zone zone and and ask only probing questions about duck's cat <laughs> just that these only. are our marching orders i was so hoping my cat would show up at that exact moment uh. but He got it last time. Does not work on cue. No. Any other questions we still have? (laughs) That we can think of in this moment, at least. I have a question, but it's too big a question. I don't think it's. I don't think it's something I could even ask them on that show. Yeah, Mm. I think it might be. I think I. I had some questions. I think when only on my relist and not the first time about the themes of amnesty and the themes of balance, and Mm. I, I, I feel like balance had a lot to do with kind of processing grief and processing a sense of loss and that amnesty ultimately wound up being about like what's on the other side of that and i wondered if it was deliberate or conscious or if my interpretation is like completely off base and no one else thought that i don't um, know but that's really lovely Anne's working on her doctoral thesis right now <laughs> wow yeah. i'm getting a master's in the adventure zone that's profound um, <laughs> you can call me doctor adventure zone <laughs> Excuse me, Dr. Zone. I have some questions. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good observation, Anne. And I think you're totally right that a big Q&A show isn't necessarily the best place for it. But it's certainly the kind of discussion you would love to have one-on-one or like in a small group. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I a lot of that had to do with I was I was convinced from day one, and I know I said it a lot on the podcast. I thought that Duck would die at the end of this arc, mm. um, and I I think that there was something very meaningful in the fact that he did not that the his his journey of being a hero did not terminate in Didn't his self sacrifice. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, no, that's poignant. Yeah, but yeah, that's a big question. It, it is, is a big question. It's a very good one. Absolutely. Well, I think my only question was about. Why we stopped playing Heathcliff's Clues halfway through, but <laughs> yours is much better. <laughs> I've lost Brittany. I've broken her. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're totally right. I don't know why. Oh. Did you have any questions, Brittany? Not anymore. <laughs> We got them all. So I don't really have a question for the boys, uh-huh. but this is more for us. Uh-huh. It was teased that Taz G is on mm-hmm. its way. Mm-hmm. So what does the G stand for? <laughs> I already unleashed a number of, of really terrible suggestions with Travis at mentioned on Twitter ah. um, because my judgment is compromised this week because I'm very tired in <laughs> con prep and it seemed like a good idea at the time. Oh, I'm sure it was. What were those? Maybe it's uh, maybe it's Taz G-Shock. You know, those watches oh from the God. 90s that everybody yeah. loved. Um, could it's be just that. very 90s. I think I think uh, not cool in the 90s. Mm, I don't have any memory. I of did this. not own one. They were very they were <laughs> fairly expensive. And to be honest, it's probably a good thing if you did not invest in a watch in the 1990s because it was not yeah. useful for very long. What if it's I thought Taz gubernatorial <laughs> and they're what? all running for governor. Ah. That's the game. So it's like it's a uh, campaign race. The Adventure Zone guy's gone wild. No follow-up. It's just what it sounds like. <laughs> it's exactly what you would hope it would be. <laughs> I think the the popular fan suggestion that I think we had talked about at some point also was that it was going to be Taz Gravity and that it would be That's... the space one. But then um, he said it wasn't space. He said, yeah, and, and also Travis... Travis confirmed it. it is not gravity, and it is also not my other actual serious thought was was for some reason I thought maybe Taz Generations. I don't know Ooh. why I thought that, but um, that was like the first thing that came to me when I tried to think about it seriously instead of like um, Taz Goombas or you know uh, <laughs> whatever else. Taz Goonies. Mm. Taz Girl Talk. Taz Girl Scouts. Taz. Ah. Oh. Ooh. That could be great. Taz gumdrops. <laughs> They're in Candyland. You know, they Taz... whatever happened to that Candyland movie somebody was making? I was I kind of wanted to see what? that. They were doing a Candyland movie a few years ago and apparently got stuck in development uh, hell and never made it out. Damn it. So oh, many movies. Someone bring it back out. Uh, what about Taz Garage and it's all cars? <gasps> I'm there. They're like Fast and <laughs> Furious. Yeah. Those boys like those movies. It's not oh, impossible. They do. Start That's a good one. one. You know, put that one up on the murder board. I do. It is. What if one of these is real? How amazing would I feel? Well, so we then do we just have to list as many as humanly possible so that just mm-hmm. by st- like statistically we'll Hold get on, one let right? let me get my dictionary. <laughs> now, what about Taz Gumption? That's good also. Ooh. Someone said Taz Gumshoes. I, I think I saw a couple of people in the Ooh. Twitter thread thought maybe that taking yeah. it back to the detective yeah. agency i mean a? we've already done elementary yeah well i yeah. think gumshoes kind of is more like a film noir kind of thing which they haven't done yet that's so. true yeah mm-hmm. that's true It'd be an interesting 
realm to play in, although also the kind of casual misogyny is a little problematic, so yeah. it might not be. What about Taz grandmas? <laughs> Oh. Get rid of that misogyny. Now we're a matriarchy. Mm. If they were to do something like Phil Noir, I will say this. You know, we were able to make the West, mm-hmm. the fantasy West, where it yes. wasn't shitty. And I would guess the same for film noir yeah. if they were to go no there. i agree with they you. would certainly not fall for a game of thrones situation it was like that's just how it was in this <laughs> fantasy just, realm it was, no. it was in the like, past. it's never i think they always subvert your expectations of whatever genre they're going to be in so taz yes. genre yeah interesting Ooh. also begins with a g i have not seen anyone guess that so it's possible but i did not go through once it once it clocked out over a thousand suggestions i think Ooh. i did oh, tap no. out on reading all of them fair I will say almost everybody's suggestions have been nouns, and almost all of theirs have not been, or all of them have not been, except us. So we may be has guilt. Yeah, we may <gasps> be thinking about the wrong kind Ooh. of words. I know. Well, that's what I'm wondering. I feel like that's why I was like, gumption might be something. Mm-hmm. Are you just like filing through all the G? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Action We're words, into, you know. You know. Any adverbs, maybe. One more good one. Taz groovy. <laughs> that's it. That's the last one. And it's just set in the swinging 70s, but again, not a shitty one. <laughs> yeah, let's just retcon the past as much as we can. Yeah. Boys, do your thing, please. <laughs> Whatever, it, we won't know what it is. Ugh. When will we know? What about Taz Glitch? Ooh, Glitch is good. That's a high possibility. Maybe like a cyberpunk thing. Yes, girl. I like this. Everybody watch this space. We got it. <laughs> it's one of these. I'm telling you what. <sighs> And that's going to do it for Taz Amnesty. Oh. And it's going to do it for season one of Romancing the Zone. Oh yes. my God. I know. Thank you so much for a great first two years. Yeah. And we just, we all want to say that we are super grateful for having all of you on this journey with us, with the McElroys. Yeah. It's a little, little caravan of cars and we're, we're somewhere towards the back, <laughs> but um, we're glad to have you guys as company. Yeah. Seriously, thank you guys so much. It's been so awesome with you guys, like doing the polls with us and <laughs> interacting with us and playing with us. You know, just I, I love it. I love, I love having an audience to kind of play off of with this. Not just you girls, which has been amazing, but having like a group of us. So thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, so we're going to be taking a little break in the interim ramp up to Taz G. Maybe give the clubhouse a makeover, replenish the snack bar and drink cart. <laughs> so it'll be a minute till we see you, but we'll meet back up right here. Till then, thanks so much for joining us. I'm Mel Bailey. I'm Brittany Bailey. And I'm Ann Kern. And we've been Romancing the Zone. <laughs> <laughs>